You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody. We are live following AEW uh, Revolution. Jeff Hawkins from the Dynamite Show. Myself, Double G here. We're going to recap the uh, the big show that featured an insane main event. Did you ever think <laughs> you would... When you first... Okay, let, let, let's go back to the beginning. When would you have first ever seen Sting? I saw him... Uh, when I was 14 or 15 in UWF because I was, I remember I was, I was uh, in gym class and some kid, I, I made a, I told the story on, on the power bombshells uh, this morning. We were doing uh, this volleyball game where whoever, you know, m- messes up the point gets eliminated. It was five on five. So I said something like teams of five strive to survive, <laughs> which was, and somebody looked at me and goes, isn't that what they say about the survivor series? I go, yeah. I go, you watch wrestling. I go, yeah. They go, you ever seen UWF? I went, there's more wrestling. I can watch. <laughs> yes. I'm there. And it was on the old uh, home team sports network. And I had just gotten cable because we had just moved into a new house. And uh, that was where they put like a lot of Baltimore Orioles and Washington Capitals uh, games and, and certain things. And it was the, it was at that time where uh, it was on Mondays at four. And sometimes you'd get it and sometimes you wouldn't. <laughs> but I remember it was it was when Sting and Rick Steiner were teaming with uh, or were in Hot Stuff and Hyatt International with uh, Eddie Gilbert and John Tatum and Jack Victory and Gary Wolf and uh, and Terry Taylor and they came out to fight for your right to party by wow. uh, by the Beastie Boys. <laughs> Amazing. So I've told this story before, but Survivor Series '87, I was fired up to see Hogan and Andre again, and lo and behold, when I get the tape back from my dad's friend, it is Starcade '87. And okay. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what is like, what happened? Like, imagine, you know, being 10 years old 
and just you just get this other wrestling show sort of like you like i knew other wrestling existed i didn't necessarily know where and when i could watch it so the opening match on starcade 87 is sting in a six man and uh and so i'm watching this going like I have to do because I don't have any other option and, and it's wrestling and it was, yeah. kind of, it was kind of the best thing to happen because I was then able to follow along with something else. And I wasn't just watching WWF and sting was the very first match and uh, watching this dude. And then I think they missed the dive on, on that show. Like sting does a big dive and I think they missed the camera misses it. So, you know, just, that 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 would happen from time to time but uh but yeah that, so that would have been my first uh my first see, of seeing him and then i didn't even watch the clash live because i was watching wrestlemania 4 oh, okay so i know that you know i just remember uh one of my buddies uh saying yeah like i know you're watching wrestlemania but you like kind of missed the best match like you missed the best show and i just was like appalled i was like what do you mean like i was watching wrestlemania like nope you missed like a great match and so like since but from you know from then on sting is basically the uh the young guy who you're kind of like this guy's kind of cool you know i've yeah flair on the other side and flair was always cool even into his 40s uh you know i think people feel differently today but when we were younger he he definitely was um, and then I told this on uh, with John LaRocca. I don't think I've ever been more of a Sting fan than the clash in February of 1990, right before he tears up his knee. When okay. They, when the when the horseman turned when, on when him. Ol- when Oli basically gives him the ultimatum. And yeah. Yes. I was okay. like, I was so fired up for Sting and I was in. And then all of a sudden I see him limping. And then Flair attacks him anyways. Like, what's going on here? I loved that Horseman JTEX feud, but I, I swore Tully was going to come in and, and, and clucks Sting. Because I, I mean, didn't know anything have. at the time. He, he um, no, it, it's funny because for, for that Mania 4 clash, we watched Clash Live at our house and, and, was, and recorded the pay-per-view of Mania. And then watched it afterwards. That was when my brother and his friends were still into it. And, we, you know, Little Caesars was giving you two pizzas at once. And mom just came down. And, okay, we'll plop down 40 bucks. And the kids will be, you know, good all day for everything. So we had an all-day Sunday of wrestling that day. It was awesome. I remember that. Yeah, that's amazing. So we have uh, a quote here from, from uh, James B. Peppermint Fatty says, First time I saw Sting was 1986 as a Blade Runner. So that, okay. that's even before you at that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he probably had access to Memphis or, or even, uh, or even early, early, uh, UWF where he was. Cause that was Watts territory. Yes. Where he was. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other people in the chat are talking about WCW and such. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, you know, there, uh, John and I were talking and believe me, folks, we're going to get to talking about this pay-per-view because it's very worth, uh, talking about, we were talking about how both of Sting's first two runs, they're kind of screwy. And the one yes. that I just mentioned, he's going to win in uh, February, but then he tears up his knee. So then they rush him back and he wins in June. And then the post flare and then the black scorpion and all that stuff. Oh, God. Very cold. 
he you know he has the match with Sid Vicious at Halloween Havoc uh and so you know kind of screwy the way that that happened and then when he gets it again uh Lex Luger has basically finished up his dates and you don't even see this guy on television and then he has the match with Sting and he's like a 320 pound bodybuilder and he can't really I mean he had they have a fine match but it's not like the Lex that 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 was going to be in shape and and could go 20 it was the Lex who could go like you know 12 minutes or whatever and because Lex is on his way to WWF because he's going to be part of the bodybuilding federation so both of Sting's first title wins were kind of screwy and then of course everyone remembers Starcade 97 are you telling me you weren't hyped for Sting versus Al Perez come on okay so Dave Dave and I had that conversation today we were talking about obviously the passing of of Ole Anderson. Yeah. And I said I asked him I said Dave, the Black Scorpion and all that magic stuff is the antithesis. Yes. of Ole Anderson. Yes. What is going on there? I said was Jim Hurd involved? Dave said no, it was all Ole. Ole and was at, trying to get current, I think. Yeah, and he was kind of checked out on trying to be the old school guy and that's what we got. And now, so he said Dave said he believes the Black Scorpion was only going to be Al Perez, and then they decided to extend it after that. Now, young me in my area, we all thought for certain that they had somehow gotten the Ultimate Warrior. That this week we talked about this as well. Yeah, they definitely wanted the slightly smarter fans to think that Warrior was going to come in, even though he was WWF champion at that time. Yeah. Who was your favorite Sting opponent? Because it's it's interesting because I've I've gotten three or four different answers and and I find it fascinating and it's all in that latter stage WCW time usually. I think it's probably Vader, but I actually okay. liked the Cactus Jack stuff better. Oh, Cactus Jack's a new one. Yes. Because I've had people say Vader. I've had people say Flair. I've had people say Rick Rude in that 91, 92 time. Mine was Muda because I yeah. loved Muda and Sting it's a, great a, a one. lot. Um, and I don't think you can go wrong with any of those. Because, I mean, I just watched that 92 Beach Bash match. And, yes. And Sting was on his uh, on his game. And Cactus Jack was willing to do anything to get over. So, I mean, that was awesome. So some of this has to do with when my fandom goes to 11. Mm-hmm. Because while the Flair stuff was great, I I was also like 11 years old and, and 12 years old when, when those early matches happened. Then I get... Um, I, I, I actually this is so weird. Do you remember back in the day you had cable and they would have like the one local channel and it would just run the calendar events like in a scroll. Yes. So in the background of that blue channel with white font was something called the cable radio new or the cable radio network. CRN. Yeah. And on the cable radio network was a show called wrestle talk or something and the host was a guy by the name of dynamite d and he was out of the slammers gym out of la huh and so he had all of this inside information so when flair goes to wwf in 91 
I know through Russell talk and I, my parents thought I was nuts because there's nothing on the screen. It's like listening to radio through your television. They were like, I can't believe you're taking up the television to listen to this man talk. And so I'm almost sure that he was just reading the observer is, is what I think was going on. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I was listening to this show from probably from the spring of 91 all the way through probably 92. So when Abdullah comes and when Cactus Jack comes and Rick Rude comes and all that stuff happens, like I kind of know that that's happening. So it just makes me go from like a fan of wrestling to like, I want to know everything there's possibly to know about wrestling as someone who's like, you know, 14 years old. So that time frame is when Sting is doing stuff with Abdul the Butcher. He's doing stuff with Cactus Jack. Lex Luger is 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 there? That'd be uh, Jake of, also, wouldn't it? Jake Roberts. Jake is there. Spin the wheel, make the deal. Tony Atlas, Butch Reed, Dick Slater. All those guys are in that that weird Island of Misfit Toys stable. I love so that. So that's where my Sting kind of thing happens. Though my best friend. Sting was his guy, so Sting couldn't be my guy because Hogan was my guy. So we would have these like little back and forths about Sting and Hogan and and all that. So yeah, I mean that's like my wrestling fandom as a, as a teenager is all that stuff. So um, all right, that was an interesting way to start this, but I, I just wanted to do that because you have uh, knowledge uh, so much of that time frame that I'm sure a lot of people are not uh, haven't been watching as long as us to, to even know about. Yeah, it's sort of weird because your peak fandom is when I had to waver a little bit because I was just getting into college and then I got into RSPW in like 92 and they were all cribbing Dave's stuff on <laughs> Thursdays and stuff. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to bring on some guests from other Fight Game Media shows. Kevin Ely, who has not been around these parts uh, in, in a little while. He's going to join us in a sec. Um, Jeremy Feinstone is also going to join us. Jeremy, uh, I, I had I, I gave them both beats. I gave them both matches to to kind of focus in on, and we'll bring them in to talk about it. Uh, but first, let's just talk about the Sting thing and, and how it happened, because I think a lot of us were kind of worried that it may not uh, it may not go the way that we wanted. I mean, the Young Bucks were the betting favorites for this for winning this match uh, all all throughout, and I'm, so I'm glad I should have put some money on on Sting and Darby there. But uh, and also there was this kind of up up in the air kind of thing where we're like, how does this match not be the main event? And yeah. Renee Paquette continues to say that the triple threat is going to be the main event. So overall, thumbs up. On, on how they handled it, were you very were you happy with Sting's last match here? Yeah, I I, I think you have to be. I mean, it, it was a little convoluted, but overall, I mean, you 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 get to see Sting one last time in a hot crowd with Greensboro in Greensboro. Um, I could have done without some of the supporting cast, but overall, <laughs> overall, big thumbs up for me. I, I I enjoyed it for the most part. I know some people were upset about the glass too, but Did, okay. But here's my question to you. Uh-huh. Obviously, with it being a 64-year-old man and just the optics of of how, you know, Sting and Darby against the Young Bucks, and it, like, it was obvious they wanted to smoke and mirrors the hell yes. out of this yes. thing. So and I that, expected that, too. Yes. But did they, so in, did you think that they over smoke and mirrors the whole thing? Mm-hmm. 
No, I don't. Because you had to do as much smoke and mirrors as you could for the 64-year-old man. Yes. Uh, and look, Sting still did. He's st- I, I, I predict that what he's going he's gonna to fall from a great height into something. He went through two tables. The man no-sold a powerbomb through a table. That's impressive. <laughs> he ate uh, double super kicks, mm-hmm. uh, the the EVP double knee. Uh, he he fired up from all of that and and ended up uh, tapping out uh, Matt Jackson to win the match. Okay, so this has to be a giant win for AEW for Tony Khan. They've been, you know, I wouldn't say you know if you are a fan of dynamite still like and and you love that show i i get it i i understand it i am kind of like every other dynamite i think is pretty good and and the other ones kind of make my head hurt let me me pause you for a second is this the show as a whole or the sting match sorry i'm just talking about dynamite in general okay but uh, with that being said i was so looking forward to this match and this pay-per-view because of this match and the presentation Pretty much from, uh, I would say, the day that they did the the promo in Sting's house with Darby, from that moment on, I thought, like, this has been, like, maybe some of Tony Khan's best stuff, uh, just with the detail, and he loves the legacy stuff, he paid money to get music tonight, uh, he he they they had the visual of Sting's sons after the Young Bucks beat them up on on that one television show. You brought Flair, you brought Steamboat. I saw Nikita Koloff cackling in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw Magnum TA. I know Lex was there. I don't think we saw Lex on television, yeah. but he was definitely there. So the whole presentation, like there was a there was a romantic aspect to this that played to you and I. Well, at the same time, you still had to give the fans maybe who didn't grow up with Sting, but our current AEW fans, you still had to give them what they wanted out of this. And I'm not sure. I mean, there's they, they, Tony's done great stuff. Like, obviously, the Brody Lee thing is, is the best thing that they've ever done. But this is up there to me. Just I, th- I thought they just hit it out of the park. Yes, uh, Kevin mentioned uh, Scotty Riggs as well. Scotty Riggs, Riggs looking jacked, looking for a job, I think, uh, was, was in the crowd there. He was looking big. But I, I, I just think, you know, all around, this was just a tremendous, tremendous uh, presentation by Tony. You know what? This this was a love letter to people who had a sour taste in their mouth after that Mania match against Triple H. Yeah, really I was there. Was. I was in live at that show. Just thinking like, man, these guys cannot get over the Monday Night War. What is going on? Yeah. Um, the the only disappointment I had in the entire pre-show presentation was that neither TNA nor WWE gave footage to them, it looked like. Yeah. And that that's just a shame. I mean, because he did a lot for that mania and that build for 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 Santa Clara and and he did a lot for TNA, and they should have volunteered footage if people wanted it and now and that, i don't know, now, I don't know if Khan, yeah i don't know if Khan went after it or not but if they if he did they should have volunteered it happily. yeah that, that was what dave said was that as far as he knew they weren't asked to provide now maybe tony thought well we have the new japan stuff we have some all japan yeah. stuff it's yeah and plus we have everything that he's done with us maybe we don't need to to ask for that so, um, but yeah, that, that would have been a nice touch to have a little bit more footage. They opened up this match 
by having him sitting in a theater re-watching a lot of his old stuff and him saying, you know, it's showtime for the last time. I thought that was amazing. I, I don't have any complaints about this match, about this presentation, about the Bucks. Was it over the top? Hell yeah, it yes. was over the top. It was a, it was going to be over the top. And, uh, you know, I kind of did a little check because sometimes when you watch something and you're a little biased, you're, you're a fan, and I kind of think, okay, am I overreacting to something, you know, for some reason whatsoever? And I kind of did a little check on my watch. I was like, okay, my heart is beating faster watching this match, and I'm not sure why. Is it the fear of, you know, because I, I, I was – I was fearful this entire match watching this man do tons and tons of stuff that uh, I, I, you know, there anybody can make a mistake, right? Anybody could have an accident. Darby goes through that, that uh, sugar glass and just cut up like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but at the end of it, I was, uh, I was like, man, that was, I was so happy that I watched that after it was done. I was actually, I caught myself looking around the arena to see if he could jump off like one of the tunnels to go on. I go, there's, it's too high. There's no way he's going to be able to do that. What are they going to do with him? And then it turned into the ladder spot. But yeah, you know, I mean, I don't mind the steamboat stuff. Flair was in and out, luckily, quickly. Um, well, as quickly as he could be. Um, I thought Flair was going to blade. I was ready to see it one more time. I was wait, waiting for him to turn on Sting and then <laughs> and then get re, and then return and then get double super kicked. Uh the one son who went to Kentucky was fantastic. Um <laughs> in terms of his leaping. Yeah, uh, the, other, the other one's a lot thicker than I realized. He, that he, dude played, at, he played at he played at Azusa Pacific, if I okay. recall. Um okay. which is out here, which is a smart guy. I took a couple grad courses out at Azusa Pacific at one time. So uh Giant, I remember San reading Francisco that about the Giants that. Uh, announcer Mike Kruko also went to Azusa Pacific. Okay. Um yeah, no, uh it was I here's what I want to know. I mean, if Sting's happy with it and yeah. that's the way he wanted to go out. I'm fine with whatever, uh, you know, bells, whistles, guest stars, whatever he wanted to do, man. Because, yeah. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we got the finish that I thought was the right finish, which was him winning, him and Darby winning. And, and he goes out probably being the only undefeated wrestler that AEW will ever have. Yes. And I did a poll yesterday because I was very interested to see if what people thought about whether he should win or whether the Bucks should win. And thanks to uh, Sean Ross Sapp, who retweeted it and amplified the, the damn at the whole thing. We, I think we went from an expected uh, 300 responses to like 2,000 responses. Thank you to uh, Sean Ross Sapp. <laughs> it was 62% to 38% for Sting and Darby. I thought it was going to be a little bit more like 70-30, but it did start to come down. And most of the reasons that people gave me were because it is, and uh, I don't know if Vince McMahon's voice was in their head, but it is a professional wrestling tradition yes. for the outgoing wrestler to lose the match and go out on his back. I was like, are we back in Montreal? What's going on? And so that was the reason. And I was like, ah, th- that's like, there's not one, there's not one reason for every scenario that exists of people losing, you know, of people leaving. And I was like, nope, that's not the right thing. And it was amazing because I could almost tell where folks learned that. And I was like, you were all watching the Monday Night War. Like, that's where you got that from, that that's no, the only no, way to do it. No, beyond the mat. Beyond too. the mat, sure, sure. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Um, number one, I, I'm trying to get Sean Ross to have to go to Bojangles and try Cheerwine. It's not working, though. He's not uh, He's not. How is he me. not going? Is I mean, is he he just doesn't want to ruin his he, diet? I think he's going to fly out. I don't I don't think he's he, I don't think he's part savvy to North Carolina, <laughs> North Carolina fast food and the wonders <laughs> of Bojangles and cookout. But uh, well, I mean, I, he I could go to he can get it at the airport. Bojangles, yeah, maybe. Airport. Yeah. Cookout. No, but Bojangles, I think. Yes. Yeah. Not cookout. We'll they won't have cookout. But we'll, I will uh, see when uh, I, I was in Charlotte. Two or three years ago, it's it's definitely at the airport. Yeah. So. Okay. I think that was actually Bojangles Arena they were at too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I've been to Greensboro a couple times for the ACC tournament, so I I remember that place uh, fondly. Um. Oh, where, where was I going? I got on food. Um. Yeah. Where you where you learn that is? Uh, I thought I thought the thing was if they went second, it second to last, like next to last. 
then the Bucks were going to win. If they yeah. were the main event, there's no way they're letting the Bucks win. But it was it was one of those things where it's like, okay, if the triple threat is next to last, Joe Joe's retaining. But if it's above them, then Sting's losing and Swerve's getting crowned. I thought that was how it was going to work out. I'm not the biggest fan of the Young Bucks as two sweet heels. I understand that that was how they made a lot of their money. I'm not sure it works entirely uh, uh, on the national level, but those dudes get all the credit in the world tonight. Oh yeah. They were awesome. They did yeoman's work in this match. My goodness. I mean, (laughs) they were bumping like crazy. They were there to make the other guys look good. They, yeah. I mean, uh, (laughs) you can't complain. I mean, they were perfectly obnoxious. (laughs) I howled at the at the uh, homage to the HBK flare spot where we don't we don't like you or no no was it uh, we're not sorry we don't love you or whatever and we then, hate and you or something. we hate you yeah, yeah, yeah. no that was fantastic stuff yeah uh, yeah. yeah I mean I mean I've been privy to the Bucks's uh, you know. Uh, I always tell the story of the PWG match where they just did suck it and super kicks. <laughs> Which, we're we're not sorry. We hate you. We're not sorry. We hate you. No, that was fantastic stuff. Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a there's a little bit of acting in here. There's a little bit of a sketch comedy, so to speak. But uh, overall, I I have no complaints about this match. All right, we're gonna bring on Kevin and Jeremy here in a second. But before we do, I want to do the Dave Meltzer. Uh, best match, worst match with you, and then I'm assuming you thought the pay per view was a thumbs up. So we don't oh yeah, have to do thumbs up. Easy right thumbs up. Pay per view might be the best they've ever done. Was definitely the best build they've ever done for a pay per view. I think in their history. Where are you with uh, best match of the night? Because there are a few, and they're all different. Yeah, I know, and I'm 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 I know a lot of people are gonna pick Osprey to cash in. That's fine. Um, I, I'm going with BCC FTR because okay. that just goes to my sensibilities more, right. more than the other match, but I'm not going to, I'm not shading that match at all. I think worst match we're, we're, well, we may not agree. We'll see. But, uh, what's, what was your best match? My best match. <sighs> this is against my own sensibilities. Like you just said, but I have to go with the main event, not because okay. it was the, it wasn't the best wrestled. It was, there was no highs and lows. It was just one sort of like climax. Like I, I understood what I was watching, but when I pull back and I go, what did I enjoy the most? I enjoyed that match the most. I would say there is I, nothing, there is nothing wrong with that. Cause I've picked some of those six man slash tag match from sting and Darby and whoever against whoever in the, as, as my favorite picks of the match when there were like better omega matches on there so i have no problem with you doing that but as far as like uh danielson and kingston and osprey and takeshita if we're talking like sort of natural story that kind of match i i like danielson and and uh kingston but you know what osprey and takeshita was like um i always go back to this match which is a super brawl 91 Sting and Luger against okay. Steiners, where it's yeah. just high spot after high spot after yep. high spot after high spot. That was Osprey and Takeshita, but on just like a way crazy level that you couldn't even imagine in 1991. Right. So that they did insane work there as well. And for worst match, I think I don't want to say Storm and Parat uh, Diana because they were just put in a bad spot. 
and the I, I haven't you know the the build for that match hasn't been fantastic, but I didn't actively dislike it. Yeah, as much as I disliked the scramble match. Okay, good. Well, then we're on the same page. I, I, I yeah, I thought the scramble overstayed its welcome. I think they should have cut it so that we could have gotten all of Sting's farewell speech instead of cutting off the satellite. Yeah. People got mad at that. I don't think they realized that Tony would have had to pay one more hour to get like three more minutes of Sting's speech in for the uh, the thing, and then they have to start the replay so much later. Yeah, but I just I thought the scramble was overstaying its welcome. It well, I, I think I think it got better once they realized that you got to do the WWE thing where everyone sells on the floor, and then you have two people or three people in the ring. I thought uh, Dante Martin and Jericho were going to be the key to keeping that thing together. And Dante Martin had, maybe had his worst match ever in, yeah. in AEW. And Jericho was just not that person to be able to do it on this night. No. All right. Let's bring in Kevin here. Hi, Kevin. Kevin Ely. What's up, fellas? So hey. before we actually even get to it, can we talk oh. about the boom for uh, a second and a half here? Yeah. So your your co-host is uh it was in the chat, uh James B. I believe he might be Pepper. watching still, yeah. So the boom has been on hiatus for a little while and yes. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to tell folks kind of like what's going on and and uh you know what's up with the boom? How come they haven't been hearing the boom? <laughs> we got suspended for uh we got we popped test <laughs> and uh we're serving out our suspension no uh our my my dear co-host peppermint fatty had some medical issues pop up that took up all his attention and uh so he's taking a little bit of time to recover and rest and he's watching and been praying for him every day and just all the best to remain yes. peppermint fatty but um uh it also coincided with me being pretty overwhelmed at work and not able to watch a lot of wrestling. Um, so we took a little time off and, um, as of right now, it's just kind of in limbo for a bit and yeah, and, and just not going to force it back. And like you said, James, uh, you know, I always say that James has got like the, the, the best, vo if, if I wanted to have a podcast voice, it might be James's, but yours is the dulcet tones of Kevin Ely too. But, um, you know, <laughs> Just hope James, you know, gets gets better, gets healthy, and this thing will be available around for for James whenever he needs it, and for you as well. Even if you guys can't do the boom, you're welcome to jump on shows like this. Maybe the boom gets changed around in, in a different way because uh, the thing that I've told people is most podcasts don't even make it to episode ten because of how time mm -hmm. sensitive it is, and then here we have. Jeff doing double duty today. He was on the pregame show and now he's doing the postgame yeah. show. But you know, it, it's a time suck and it, it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of dedication and, and it's hard. It's, it's, you have to keep up with the content and the content has been a lot. So it's been uh, a lot. Like, I, like I said, the boom, the, it, you know, we'll, we will do whatever we need to do with he has, he has an open invitation to come on the Dynamite show. They do. I, might, I might just about be ready to take you up on that. I was jonesing pretty hard today, so I'm, I appreciate the uh, invitation to come on. You know, we all need a break from Paul occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Paul, no, I'm I, I believe Love Paul. Paul. 
I believe Paul is watching the main event as we speak. So I'm waiting. I know. Yes. I'm waiting for the uh, post. In I'm waiting for his post in the. Uh, he's he's in our Like hit. I just started the BCC versus FTR match. I'm like, yeah. Dude, catch up. We're all marking over. Any Sting. second. Any second now. He's. I've got the Discord open, and he's gonna. He's gonna see that Darby, and I just can't wait to the glass. Spot. I can't wait to hear his reaction. All right, Jeff and I gave our uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, best match, worst match, and I, why don't we open with mm-hmm. you? What, what What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm assuming it was a thumbs up show for you as well. Oh, absolutely, mate. I don't want to. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready to say that. It's it's. I think the best pay per view they've ever done. Okay. I think that was I part guess. of Jeff's poll. <laughs> yeah. What What I, about uh, best match, worst match? Um. I hate to be a cliche, but I've got to say Osprey Takeshita. That's just, I just, that's some capital, all caps, professional wrestling right there. Like the state of the art, like there were, there were things that took my breath away when the match ended and I let out some sort of guttural noise. I don't even know what it was. (laughs) And then I looked around, I realized that I had my hand up like this. (laughs) <laughs> just, I don't, I didn't even realize that I was just holding my hand up in the air because at some point I had just gone like this and just <laughs> left it there and didn't even realize it. Like that, that match completely sucked me in. Um, Osprey's a dang star that, I mean, I got goosebumps in his entrance and, um, yeah. And, and Takeshita is just like what you always hoped Barry Windham would be in a way. Muscular plus, uh, no, just like the way he moves, just those big, like, yeah, <laughs> he's just no, that guy uh, who can, like, six foot six or whatever. How are See, I don't even know how tall he is, but he seems like he's gigantic and he just said, sails uh, through the air. Callis said he was six foot three, and I said, There's no, he has to be taller than that. <laughs> it was just, he, looks he looks bigger than that. that for sure. Uh, the Wyndham comparison is actually a pretty a pretty good one because of just that natural ability. Now Takeshita is still uh, a little young in his career, even though you know mm-hmm. Barry kind of uh, faded fairly quickly uh, yeah. at his yeah. peak. I was just watching '89 uh, Barry, and it was uh, mm-hmm. Barry and Lex at uh, what was it? Shy Town, Shy Town Rumble. Yeah, I watched okay. Barry and Lex and. What a what a natural at everything like just to, you almost forget how good Barry Windham was if because we just yeah. haven't seen him for so long. Um, all right, let, let's talk about the uh, the main the not main event, which was the main event according to Renee. According to Renee, she kept, she kept Renee saying it was all about that match. match. Okay, I I have been on record a lot saying I did not like the build to this match. At all. I don't yeah. understand the hangman character. I know a lot of people like it. I'm not saying you can't like it or you don't or you know you you can't understand what he's going through or whatever. I just don't mm-hmm. like it as a pro wrestling story in order to get to where they want to get. I think it is actually a negative to the build personally, but uh I think where they got to tonight was uh, pretty okay. What were your thoughts on that uh, world title match? I was really into this match going in. I I love the fact that all three guys are just totally over. And and the and the crowd seems to really enjoy all three of them being in there. Hangman slightly less because he's in the middle of a heel turn, but they're getting into booing him. They booed him pretty well tonight when he when he first came out. 
Um, I, I, I've been enjoying hangman going nuts. Um, but I can't defend it if that makes any sense. <laughs> it just works for me. Um, but I do think he went a little over the top with it during the match. Um, someone pointed out that that ending would have worked really well. They had some really good camera shots tonight. And I think if they had lined up a shot where Joe was choking out hangman and you made it clear that hangman saw swerve about to come in and break it up and decided to tap out and made it explicitly clear. Um, and they were on their game camera wise, most of the show. And I I was a little disappointed. They didn't get that because then it was not clear that that was happening. And then X, Caliber decided to just say it. Thank, thank it you. Quite make sense. <laughs> I. It's the worst thing they do is they tell us they're telling a story that they didn't tell in the ring. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's either okay. Did he screw up, or are you just trying to tell us this story? Okay, but I, you know what he. Yeah, you right. know why they have to do that though, is because there is going to be a camera angle of Hangman looking at Swerve. And they're going to show it on a replay. Yeah, they'll put and it they're in some highlight. And then they'll use what Excalibur said in yeah. in the thing. That's why they do it. But it was yeah. not clear when you were watching, even though based on the story that they, to- that they told, that absolutely made sense. I'm going to play Brian Alvarez here for a second and say, oh. if this is, this is kind of like the heel ref thing to me, if Hangman only just wanted Swerve to lose. Why isn't he and Samoa Joe making this a handicap match from the beginning? That's my question. I think he does want, I mean, he, he, he kind of says secondary that he does want the title, but I think, I think it's like he can't decide in the moment, which is more important to him, uh, which is where it starts to fall apart a little bit, but he is trying to win. But I think once he realized he was out, you know, he he decided. Well, if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna take Swerve with me. I guess. I don't yeah, know. I can't. I can't like I said, I can't defend it <laughs> because he wants to win the title first, and then you know, because yeah. that that would be the ultimate spike of the football in front of Swerve, and then and then it's like, okay, if I can't have it, nobody else can have it. Uh, I I adored Hangman beating up a ref. I'm sorry. I I love that so much. That was the best ref beatdown of all time. (laughs) I I enjoyed that. (laughs) Yes, he is a maniac. I I think the only problem with this three-way is that Swerve's missing a little something as a baby face. I see see some of that in the chat as well, Um, especially the promos leading up to it. I, I thought him not seeing hangman coming to attack him on dynamite. I thought that kind of hurt him because Samoa Joe knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Us fans knew that was coming and swerve was just like, Oh yeah, I respect you a ton. Let me just give you my back. Well, what got him here was his savvy and his street smart. Right. And right. he, and, and being the, the baddest dog in the yard, so to speak. And he kind of loses that when, you know, cause he still has Nana there. He's still kind of a heel, mm-hmm. but he's kind of, morphing in front of us to being a mm-hmm. for lack of a better term a stupid baby face but still a baby face nevertheless i mean if he were a smarter baby face he'd be using that cunning to know that the guy was behind him and right. all this and you know it's a three-way it's no dq not using nana's crown at the time is just a personal choice versus smart strategy kind of where, a yeah. thing where do you think they're going with the next program based on what they did tonight I think Hero's Journey for Swerve 
where he has to change his game up a little bit in order to win the title, and then he eventually wins it in a one-on-one. Maybe not against Joe, maybe against Hangman, to be honest with you, but uh, I, I really, I don't know. I think they need to get away, they need to get these three away from each other for a little while. I think this was a perfectly built feud, but now it's like Hangman needs to go off and do something else. Swerve needs to, maybe Swerve Wardlow? Interesting. Mm. Well, okay, so here here was my thought. And I didn't think about this until the Osprey match. And we're going to bring Jeremy on here to, to talk about that in a second. Once I saw Will Osprey and how the crowd reacted to him, and I've I've been saying this for weeks, that this is really a test of Tony's ability to enhance somebody's star power because Will Will's like the blue like he's like the top prospect in 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 baseball he's like the can't miss prospect right now is that what you're looking for i was gonna say the blue chipper but then the rock gets a cut if i say that that's right the rock's got the trademark to that now so he's already the best you know arguably the best wrestler if he's not you're the best he's right there and so now he's young he's has this opportunity to be on this big big stage I think he needs to be the number one guy. And I think this is Tony Khan's uh, opportunity to really show that he can make, uh, make someone a star. And so as I was thinking that I was like, okay, so I'm already thinking to all in and thinking, okay, well, Will's got to win the title at all in. And if he beats swerve at all in, then that, that means we got to get swerve the title. So how do we get swerve the title? And as that match was happening, I was like, maybe hangman should win this title so that swerve could beat hangman but i was it was just a second guess thing because i was just all in on on will osprey being the champion by uh wembley mm-hmm. i think that's got too a hot quick. potato for like the next six months right know? which is what they don't do and i said that right. to dave i said maybe they should do that and then i i pulled back and i said but they don't do that and then dave said just because they don't doesn't mean it's not a good idea to do it depending on where you want to go. So, you know, we all were sort of thinking like after that Will Ospreay match, we got to get the title on Will Ospreay yeah. at some point <laughs> in the near future. Yeah, because yeah. Swerve's title win has to be a big deal. Yes. It really does because we've mm-hmm. now emotionally invested a lot into the first black AEW champion yes. storyline. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a big deal and it can't be, it can't be just a three-month title run to give it to, say, Osprey either. So yeah, if he let's say he wins it at this newly uh, titled Dynasty pay per view, April twenty first, and if he loses at All In, it would only be a four month reign. And mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I think when he wins it, it's going to be a big deal. I did, I but I did think if he won it tonight, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. And I'm not sure how that crowd would have reacted. Uh, maybe they would have reacted, but it's also the secondary main event to Sting. And so that is a, a little something there. But if he does, if, if we do push all of our chips in on him, I think I think it's going to be a really big moment for them, for him and for the company, uh, just for, from a pay-per-view audience perspective. So, but I'm with you. Like it you have you have all of these guys and you want all of them to be in the running, and then then you start counting them, and there's like seven or eight guys who should be in the running and it's like too many like it's got to be uh it's got to be a headache for tony not that you have not that having too much talent is problematic but you can't it's a good problem to have 
can't push out storylines for four years because you want these longish title reigns. It's a good problem to have, but you need to have a plan for when they get the title and how you're going to present them. Because Mm -hmm. I'm still very critical of the Omega and Hangman first title runs. I think Joe is really the first solid guy that you look at and go, that's a world champion to me. That that's a guy who carries the certain heft and and regalness, for lack of a better term, of a world champion. Versus Kenny was doing some weird heel performance art with Palace. With <laughs> you know, Hangman was Hangman was trying to to get over by facing big guys and being a babyface in peril, and 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 do, but but still doing kind of emo type promos. And then you mm-hmm. had Jericho, who was being Jericho. Joe has really been the first guy to carry that title with that certain amount of toughness yeah. that I think you need for a world world champion thing. And not that Will Ospreay isn't tough, but you need to think about, okay, once he wins and he gets the big pop, how how is he a bigger star as a champion than he was on the chase? Which is also going to be a problem in the other company, by the way, for, for one uh, Mr. Rhodes, should he finish his mm-hmm. story. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's all all good stuff. All good stuff to think about, especially for those of us who have podcasts, because we could just keep talking about it. All right, let's bring on Jeremy here. We're going to talk about Osprey and Takeshita. Jeremy, the host of uh, Speaking of Strong Style with Stephen Conway every Thursday on this channel. What's up, Jeremy? Not much. Long time no talk, everybody. How you been? All right, let's uh, let's do the same thing. Best match, worst match. I, I'm assuming I, I watched it with you. I know that you yeah. thought it was a thumbs up show. Uh, uh, the match, worst match for you, uh, the Osprey Takeshita match uh, goes hand in hand with the Danielson and uh, Kingston match. Two sides of a best match. Like one was one was physical, and the other was the spectacle of best matches. And you could make an argument for either. I think I'm going to lean with Osprey and Takeshita. And honestly, uh, you know, all the props in the world to that main event. Uh, I loved it. It it wasn't 100% for me, uh, but I loved everybody who loved it. I thought it was fantastic. What a way to go out. And for the worst match, probably the women's match. Well, I, I didn't get your worst match, Kevin. But does the pre-show count? It can count if you want it to count. I didn't see the. I saw the tail. I just hate hating on the. the I hate hating on the the, uh, the um, Deanna and match, but because it felt like it was almost designed. It felt like one of those. Um, gosh, I hate to compare it to this, but it it felt like one of the old divas matches. Not in the match itself, but how they placed it basically as a break. It, yeah. it felt like an intermission, almost like. Oh, it were. felt like a WWE match to me with that end with the you know yeah. the distraction by Mariah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. So you one, had two, two you had two distractions in the finish. Luther just walks into the ring, yeah. so that Mariah can come in looking like Tony Storm, and so she and then she gets kicked. And then that allows Tony Storm to uh, to hit that short pile driver on Deanna. So it was very, yeah, it was very much like a, a finish on a on a show that uh, was really over delivering. I thought, and, and then yeah. like mm-hmm. like I thought maybe if you don't have the scramble match and you put the women's match in that spot, the crowd probably sees it a, a, as bigger, and maybe the women get a little bit more motivated because that's got to be a really hard 
place to be as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. When but you Kevin, did you know. hate the tag match more? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> the which which tag? Oh, the, the Willow, the Willow Statlander versus Sky Blue and uh, Julia Hart. It wasn't that awful. I. Yeah, I, I probably liked it less, yeah. Well, when we say worst match, we're not saying it's terrible. We're just saying what yeah. was the worst match, your least, worst match, good. personally. Yeah, you know what? I'll, 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 give, I'll give the Statlander and Willow thing a little bit of credit in that I kind of dig the story. I mean, it's a slow story, and, and they're not, you know, it's Stokely mm-hmm. and everything. But I kind of dig it. I, I like the characters involved. And I, I'm interested to see where they go with it. So I, I'm a, I'm a fan mm-hmm. of that. But uh, all right. So Jeremy, let's talk about Takeshita and Will Osprey. Yes. I asked you to focus on that match uh, specifically because it's kind of you've been watching a, a ton of Will Osprey ever since the Speaking of Strong Style mm-hmm. debuted, and uh, he got to show a U.S. pay per view audience what. Uh, New Japan folks have been seeing for years and years. He came off as the greatest babyface that you could possibly hope for in this match, top to bottom. He just seemed like he was ready for the Western, like the American style, because he's been wrestling in Japan, and there are slight differences to how they wrestle their matches, how they present their matches, how the matches finish many, many differences with the finishes of matches and and how they book that. And what I saw today was the guy that is basically absolutely the face of this company going forward. And uh, Takeshita held his own as well. It really does seem like the New Japan, uh, the New Japan uh, people coming over, including Okada, is going to change the face of this company. This is a end of a chapter with the Sting leaving, and it feels like with Mercedes and Osprey and Okada all seemingly coming in or already here, we are we are in a new era and a new uh, presentation of, of this wrestling. And when I watched this match, it was it was one of the strongest matches that Will Osprey could have but I didn't think it was one of the greatest matches that he's ever had. And I know that when we were talking in there, uh, there were people that were saying like, that was one of the best Osprey matches that you'll ever see. And I felt like it was what he's been doing in new Japan with the Shota Umino match Mm -hmm. is one that I can think of. And the one that he had with Yoda Suji, both back in the fall of 2023, very similar matches, very similar in the presentation, him coming out on top. And we are going to get a lot more of this in the big matches, and I think we're going to get a lot of the uh, daily tag level of Osprey on the TV shows. I kind of wondered with uh, Kyle Fletcher match being announced, if that's going to be the vehicle to bring in Okada, as in Okada being the backup for Osprey, if there's some type of turn presentation happening with Fletcher, Callis, and Takeshita um, Wednesday. Yeah. They very quickly said that Fletcher and Osprey were best friends. Yes. And then uh, all of a sudden, this may have been uh, Black Scorpion magic, like uh, Jeff and I were talking about earlier. All of a sudden, there was just a graphic of Fletcher and Osprey <laughs> having a match on Wednesday. 
And I was like, wait, like Osprey, is he going to be ready by Wednesday? And aren't these guys best friends? Why are they wrestling? Like, what's the story? No one's telling us anything. And it just was on on the schedule for Wednesday. So I guess we got to see what happens. Not that that's going to be uh, not that I don't think they're You know, they can't pull it off. They totally could. I just wish I knew the justification behind the match. Like, I don't want to see Osprey anywhere near an ROH television title. So. That was that was like, please no, please please no. Let's let's keep him away from that. Uh, there was there is a sense that if you're going to position this guy as the top babyface, right? He can't have dumb babyface energy. So if he thinks that he is going to get turned on in any way, shape, or form. He better be ready for that. And I just, that was what I was batting around in my head is like, if you're going to do this and if you don't want Okada associated with the best friends coming in, how else are you going to do this? DBE, dumb babyface energy. I've never, I've never heard that <laughs> one before. Uh, okay. So here's a great question. Um, and, and this is kind of goes to what Jeremy was saying about Osprey. And I think I was saying it too. Should be the biggest star. There's a guy who was running the show last year named MJF who we all expect to come back at some point, but we were talking to Dave and Dave thinks it's going to be uh, later rather than sooner because he's dealing with some injuries, but uh, you know, he's he, uh, MJF is going to be one of those seven or eight guys that we talked about whenever he does come back and it kind of blurries uh, blurries the picture here because we know how much Tony loves mjf and you know you can't have more than one world champion unless you want to create the seth rollins worker belt here uh so i don't know what i don't know what they do i can't even think my brain does not even let me think about what you could possibly do with uh, with mjf in six months like does he just like how, how do you bring him back like jeff you're the you know you've been talking about dynamite for the last two years like you saw the whole MJF thing. What 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 are your thoughts on what they do when he comes back? I forgot to uh, mention MJF when I was going through my world yes, champions. By the way, okay, okay, here we go. Well, MJF just used the title to show how big his personality could be, so he could get out of wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. what do I do, uh, or what are they going to do? Because I have. My strong inclination is MJF comes back and we go right into MJF versus Undisputed Kingdom type of mm, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then it's Who's like there? nine months. And I don't know. I mean, I would. I mean, look, you are right. The top heavy stuff is is getting there. I I put a couple of these guys over on Collision and just let them have like fifteen to twenty minute, maybe thirty minute bangers, and just make that like a super show type of thing. Um. I don't know. What do, I mean, we need a future shock type pay per view now with like, like Jay White, Osprey, <laughs> Okada coming in. Be off. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's an embarrassment of riches, but at the same time, you gotta make these guys personalities somehow. And yeah. boy, I would not put Okada with the best friends. Good lord. It's gotta it's gonna happen. That's it's like putting happen. the star quarterback with the chess club, as <laughs> I said gonna, on, on the power bomb shells today. That, you're that's gonna just see Okada rolling up in that white minivan with Sue behind the wheel. Oh my god. And awesome. you know that you know the, the problem is is we are going to dislike it. Now, not all of us, a lot Some of people, people will, love will love it. He will probably really enjoy it because he's had to be 
the main guy yeah. for how many years now? And he'll probably see it as a little bit of a break and he so, makes more money. He has to do less. And then when they need him to rev it up, he'll rev it up and he'll be, you know, the best guy that I've ever seen. So um, maybe he'll yeah. bring back balloon Okada. <laughs> just, around mystique, with the man. He has such a mystique about him when he's booked at a high level that it'll be so tragic if they can't, if they can't book him in a way where that at least is radiating from him at a lower level consistently rather than spotty whenever they feel like they need to heat him up. That's my worry. It's like, I don't think that they can keep him elevated at the mystique that New Japan had, but they need to maintain like a baseline that is above what they do already. They need to make somebody feel like a big deal. Yes. And that that's going to involve not them not being on TV every so often. Mm-hmm. They yeah. have a pay-per-view named after Mercedes Monet that's coming. So I hope that that is going to be her presentation as she's going to come in as a, as a pretty big deal. Cause you know, the, the, uh, the not at the fault of, of Tony Storm or Deanna, but that women's title match was definitely like an afterthought on this pay-per-view. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was a lame doc match because everyone's waiting for Mercedes. And it's like, Deanna or Tony, we all kind of figured it would be Tony, but either way, it's all it's all just the runway for Mercedes and the presentation of Mercedes in the women's division and everything up to that point. Unfortunately, they haven't built anybody to the level that is that is like can match that Mercedes energy even at her lowest. So we're trying to figure out who it's gonna be, but it doesn't even feel like Tony or Deanna are the the best candidates. And Garrett, when we were talking at the show we, and on the Discord, who is on the rankings number two and number three women? <laughs> we for... haven't even seen the rankings. We haven't yeah. seen the rankings, rankings in like a month. Up. Like, since February <laughs> 10th, it was Hikaru Shida at number three and Thunder Rose at number two. And Sho- Shohei Otani's wife? Oh, that was <laughs> Wow. We debunked that one. That was bad. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was not one. great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we're looking at Thunder Rosa, and even that is just kind of like cool. Like, yeah, there's they, nobody, there's nobody to heat up to be ready for Mercedes to make it a big deal, and that's part of the problem. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, Moxley and Claudio. Jeff, I'll let you take the lead a little bit on this one. Moxley and Claudio come out in uh, Road Warrior esque shoulder spikes. <laughs> For JCP road like, warrior spikes, not those yeah. cheesy red ones. Nope. I had no idea that they were Road Warriors fans, Legion of Doom's fans. But I mean, it's, if there's a show that you're going to do it on, this is the one that, that yeah. you would do it on. Uh, and they got to fit, they faced FTR in a match that when it was designed, I thought FTR was going to win and Claudio was going to take the loss. That was my original thought. I didn't think Moxley was going to lose because Moxley's got a match with uh, Tetsuya Naito coming out in five or six weeks here. Uh, but then Moxley and, and Castagnoli beat FTR in a really, really good match, which is Jeff's match of the night. Take us through this one, Jeff. The irony of this match is that FTR had to play the Rock and Roll Express all night <laughs> in terms of being like undersized baby faces facing much bigger heels. Um I was shocked by the end of this match too, because I thought this was, this was pretty much what I thought it was going to be, which was kind of a love letter to Carolina style tag team wrestling. Yes. 
with it. And, and I thought, you know, okay, they're tipping the hand is going to be what road warriors versus Tully and Arn type of a booking thing here or, or whatever, but it wasn't that at all. Um, you know, Dax got play- Dax and cash were like, <laughs> they were baby faces in peril all night. It was kind all of fascinating. It was fascinating to watch that. And, but like their comebacks with chops and, and punches and so were, were great. Uh, you know, you had a couple Steiner moves, you had a couple Tully Arn moves, you had, you know, you had a lot in there. Um, it's interesting to see them heat up the Blackpool Combat Club like this as a tag team because I thought, you know, it, it was interesting because I thought maybe this would give us a clue who was winning the main event because right. the Bucks were getting the tag tiles and, you know, FTR was a natural fit or or even if FTR wins this and then Darby would pick like an Adam Copeland, but going right. to Sean Ross Sapp now, it doesn't look like he's going to be picking a new partner that they're just going to throw these into a tournament. Maybe they're building them up for the tournament. Um, I like it. I actually, let me ask you guys this. I thought the Dax blading was a bit much for that mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. I, I It didn't feel like it had achieved a level of, violence where Dax needed a blade. I think it was almost like blading for its own end. And with commentary talking about it so much, it became distracting yeah. for me. I felt like even Moxley was like looking at him like, really? <laughs> like, even Moxley, no. <laughs> really? A, a throw into the post and then hitting the stairs on the outside. That's going to make you blade there, huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's Carolina. He's like, what, yeah, what a great for, bro, right? Yeah. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, here, here's here's the thought. So much like you, Jeff, we were kind of thinking about if this match is going to lead us anywhere where, where the main event is concerned. And Dave thought he's like, you know, if FT, I, I, if the Bucks are winning, I don't actually see FTR winning because it's just it's kind of like a political minefield to right. book that match and to yeah. figure out where you're going with that match. Uh, but then when the BCC won, I thought, okay, well, maybe this tournament, may, maybe, you know, FTR's already made as a tag team. And they kind of talked about it in the announcing. It was like, I don't remember somebody said it, but it was like, oh, Moxley and Castagnoli are kind of finding their own as their tag team, as a tag team. They're kind of like reaching their potential as a tag team, as if like they were just brand new put together tag team or something. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe they're trying to build these guys up as a viable candidate to win the tag titles. Whereas, you know, the Bucks are already there. FTR is already there. Starks and Big Bill are already there. And so this victory was to kind of put them in that echelon. Well, here's where having the additional pay-per-views comes into play, I think. Because if, if you only have the straight four, the straight six, or whatever, and, and now we're getting nine or ten, you're going to need those extra you know, one month build into a champion type of thing. So that those types of things are going to get rushed because I, I was saying, okay, F, I think the net, I thought the natural progression, or at least for one of the big shows is FTR versus edge or not edge, but Adam Copeland and Christian. Yes. In some way, somehow. So I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I get from this show to that show? 
And I was saying, okay, Darby and Sting win. Darby picks Adam Copeland. Copeland eventually turns on Darby and brings the tag straps over to Christian. Like, that, that's, that's how I booked it in my head too. Exactly yeah. So, but, but, but Hey, now we're going to have roadblocks here and we can take our time kind of, I guess. I think but, you also just booked edges retirement, by the way, yeah, that's going to be his. Retirement. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But I just, it's, it's one of those things where I don't like the addition of these extra pay-per-views. Cause I feel like Tony already rushes booking far too much and doesn't let things build and breathe. And this is going to be like, when WCW went to nine or 10 and then 10 to 12 pay-per-views and it was just rush, rush, rush everything. And nothing felt organic or had a lot of heat to it. It was just, this is the next match we're going to do. You know, that kind of stuff, but over, but back to the actual match, Uh, Claudio as a giant in this match was so fantastic at times. I thought, um, (laughs) <laughs> almost Sotnam level giant in there. Uh, he almost killed Dax one time. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> but yeah, but you look at Mo- Moxley's what six four? Uh, I've maybe six. I think he's about. I would. I would say he's closer to six two, six two and a half. Six two, six two and a half. Claudio six five, six six. I think. Uh, and then you have Dax and Cash, who are five ten. It was yeah. it was it was, a, it was it was an interesting dynamic. I thought Cash Wheeler really had his working boots on tonight. Cash, I, I don't know if you guys boots. thought the same. Well, no, he's always had. I mean, like he's. I mean, he he did yeah. like like usually he does one dive. He was doing right. two or three dives tonight out he's there in front. Of, I think he had his family in the audience too, so it was one of those yeah, types. Maybe of also getting good standing with the boss, considering maybe but what might be coming up for him. Cash, I realized so a couple of weeks was was it a week before last? I, the dynamo the the first of this match, uh, I got to see in person, and I was. It's like fourth row, so I got to be pretty close. Cash is one of the best, like up close wrestlers I think I've seen yep. in a long time. He is so believable up close. Like he's just really snug, and and he he's he's so underrated. And uh, I it was the Briscoes matches where I was like, you know, I think like I used to say, Dax Harwood's my favorite wrestler for a while. Mm-hmm. Cash is the man, and he's sneaky. He's sneaky jacked. It's and, that power uh, lifter body just, like Arn in his early yeah. days type of a yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. He one of is... the things that, oh sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. One of the things that I noticed about uh setting up Moxley and Claudio is that uh Jeff, you were talking earlier, it's real busy at the top in the main event scene. And yeah. there's a real possibility that uh Moxley might be having a title with New Japan. Uh, for the next few months going into uh, going into the summertime. But if that's not the case, him running running stuff on the tag division is a yep. much excellent place for him to be, uh, keeps him out of that. Then when it's time to bring him back into the fold, it's fresh. And uh, there's a lot of people coming in, and there's not a lot of room at the top right you, now. So same, same, with, same with oh, Jay at the trios. It's like yeah. they have all these guys who could be, they have, you know, 15 guys or 10 guys that could be top five and they need to find places to put them. That's meaningful. And yep. uh, I'm not saying the trios division is meaningful, but it seems like they're taking some of these guys and sidelining them onto these little side quests to just keep them out. Cause you can't have Moxley going out there and cutting a Moxley promo a week and not give him a title shot at some point. Yeah. 
mean, yeah, he's talking about being the being the guy to run the show in 2024, and now all of a sudden we're talking about him like being the head of the tag team division. So it is a little weird. <laughs> he's one of the he's one of the seven or eight, right? But he's also had the belt a couple times, so you mm-hmm. so we're not putting him at the forefront of that line. I mean, you get rid of some of these geeky factions that they have at times and you give me a, a deep tag division i'm not going to complain no i mean if you have anything like that 86 87 like crockett state where you had the or like where you had fantastics midnight's rock and roll arn tully or Ole and arn and 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 you know the, the the list goes on and on i mean if you had an eight or nine or ten deep tag team division where everybody's a a freaking killer i'm here for that man okay here's a question for you because you're the JCP guy. Yeah. I've always thought about this. Now, with AEW, maybe it is actually viable. I know nobody is going to do a show that is all tag team matches. Like, it's, it's, it's too gimmicky. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 here, but here's what we've learned from shows that have tournaments, right? Is that those shows don't draw as well if you don't have a main event match that is there to draw because the fans don't want to put their money in without knowing exactly what they're going to get. And I think that's kind of similar with with like a Crockett cup kind of thing, but I always thought it would be a fantastic uh, special special or something like you could even do two different nights. You know, we have this silly show that they, this one hour show every couple months. What is the, what is the battle of the belt? We have a a battle of the belt show that never means a damn thing. And if you wanted to gimmick it up by making it about a tag team thing, like I think it'd be an interesting thing. Cause like you, I would just love to see these tag teams just go nuts and be the focal point uh, for a show. And you don't, it, maybe it's not a pay-per-view, you don't have to sell it, but may, well, it can't do worse than battle the belts ratings wise. Right? Like let's, I would let's be fine with it, but you need to, I mean, the problem with, with a lot of these tag teams is they can't, cut promos or they don't have time to cut promos and you'd really need that. I think that's one of the reasons why the, the shows you're talking about are so low rated unless they have a singles match on top is because they actually build that singles match Yeah, at times. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I loved that Claudio, uh, Mox promo from collision yeah, last really week. I thought that was great. These guys need promo time to build those types of feuds so that when you watch that show and it's like, okay, you're eight deep and you got a bunch of badass tag teams who can talk. God, I wish Jay Briscoe were still alive. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. And then you go, okay, now we got the baddest of the bad tag teams in here. Let's see who can go. You know, D- Dax and Cash can can bring it at times on the thing. Mox mm-hmm. and Claudio can bring it on the sick. The Bucks can occasionally bring it. Uh, when when they they're motivated to cut a decent promo, I mean, and uh, you know, Phoenix are around, even though Phoenix is injured. Like that's not a tag team that's not, you know, you can throw them in there. Yeah, you can throw them in there. I mean, for, from a work rate perspective, you're fine. It, it's just from a build perspective, you have to think of a reason to to get all these teams into a thing to beat them, and then you have to get some heat on it. And yeah. that's their that's always kind of been their problem is is getting the the heat in there. No, no, like I liked Proud and Powerful versus the Best Friends, and that 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 weird, uh, you know, a street, <laughs> was it a street fight or was it anything? You know, where they really, you know, they're slamming each other on top of cars and yeah. stuff like that, but. They never really got into a heated confrontation to get there. I think it was like Orange Cassidy got beat up, and then they, <laughs> so they decided to have you know a street fight. Okay, something. you're you're also the improv guy. 
Yes. You mentioned the Moxley and Claudio promo. Whenever Moxley goes, Claudio, what am I thinking? Is Claudio like a beat and a half behind every single time? He well, knows Cla- it's coming. Well, no, but Claudio is also translating Moxley's promo into a different language. So, you know, so it takes, True. but yeah, but that's also, that's the worst thing too, is, is somebody is like, uh, here, read this. What does it say? <laughs> I can I can say anything right, but but it's also it's one of those weird things where when when you're when you're not a comfortable actor, you take that and go, okay, you just made me look like a jerk. <laughs> but but if you're comfortable with it, they go, here, what does this say? You go, oh, it says right here. It says that uh, it says that you're a hafrodite. What is that? Other thing? You know, <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing. You know, you just you just kind of go with it. And you just say something. I love it that Claudia said that. <laughs> and, and, and then you make them uncomfortable, and you can, and and you can do it that way. But yeah, no, it, it's it's a jerk move to do on a stage if you're if you're not comfortable with the guy, or if you're just trying to put him on the spot. It's obvious that Claudio, well, Claudio can talk in, in his own way and everything, but it's also very clear he doesn't necessarily enjoy that part of the wrestling. Yeah, thing. I thought I thought yeah. you were segueing into a Kevin Kelly conversation there for a second, but uh, no, no. we were not going there. No, Hermie. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roderick Strong and Orange Cassidy. I think I was most surprised by this match as far as the story of that this match because Roderick Strong just dominated the shit out of Orange Cassidy almost the entire we saw how many different backbreakers we saw Orange selling now they kind of gave us the idea that this dude is hurting which is kind of his story all the time with the all the tape the the kinesiology tape and his whole storyline has been you know, he's just getting jumped by tons of people all the time and he's taking beatings, but he's escaping by the skin of his teeth. But here, Roddy wins very impressively. Roddy is the new champion. This was the only championship change, I believe, on the show. And I thought it was like the best Roddy Strong has looked uh, in either WWE or AEW. I'm, I don't know the knowledge of all that ROH TV from back in the day, but what an impressive win. It really made him look like somebody in beating Orange Cassidy. Kevin, I'll let you go first on this one. Yeah, it, I mean, it's like he's been just saving up all those backbreakers for how many years he's been, you know, or how many He also needed he a guy who he brace. can throw in the air, right? Yeah. That, that was yeah, also part of it. For sure. And I've never seen them against each other before, but I'm sure they've been around, you know, many, many times, but, um, yeah, I, I, I liked it, but all I could think during it was how much better this match would have been if orange Cassidy had beaten John Moxley back in November and had the title this entire time, because we've mm. already seen the match where, where orange Cassidy is just too hurt to get it done. And, and so it felt a little, I don't know. It, it, it felt, uh, I, I don't know if it was just because everyone expected it. It felt a little anticlimactic to me uh, watching it, even though physically it was very, very impressive. And um, what was the move he did where it was like a, it was like a power bomb, but he basically just dropped him chest first on the corner turnbuckle. I thought that was back first. I thought it was basically like a back, was it back first on that, t- on that it was top like, rope. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one of the many, Gross. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Osprey like took spots, like a, yeah. yeah, Osprey took like a brain buster in that way too. Yeah, Similar Osprey saw that and was like, all right, no dude. <laughs> yeah, hold my beer. Um Roddy was motivated. Yeah. He was definitely motivated yeah. tonight. 
to me, I think the to to me the I think I think Roddy looked great. I think it's beating some dudes, but coming right after the Wardlow match, I think they missed the opportunity to like use this to actually kind of build undisputed up a little bit. Yeah, those two matches back to back, and they had Adam Cole come out for the Wardlow match. And they'd do nothing. He just sat in his wheelchair. And at the end of the month, at the end of the match, they didn't even cut to him. And I thought, you know, now would have been a good time to bring Adam Cole into the ring with Wardlow and talk about how, hey, the plan's coming together. Wardlow's its thing. And now here's Roddy Strong and have a great promo in between. But didn't Wardlow like, oh, shit on that whole plan like a couple of weeks ago on his promo, right? He was Did like, he? yeah, he was just saying how it's, he's gets screwed all the time and that he's coming to get the belt that is his, oh, yeah. even though Adam Cole told us Wardlow's actually yeah. winning the belt for him. So I don't know. I That's wonder right. if they going to give it to him. Yeah. I don't I wonder know. What they're doing I, there. It feels to me almost like they're giving up on that faction just as a faction. Other than it does. Like... It does seem that way. It's almost like they make, they, they want us to think that that storyline is on ice or yes. we're not supposed to think about that. Um, but here's the question is Adam Cole obviously can't wrestle, but Adam Cole's best quality is not actually his wrestling. It's like his charisma and his talking and they're not mm-hmm. even letting him talk right now necessarily mm-hmm. after that was kind of the whole story of the devil and everything. And and now that's the opportunity to continue that storyline. And it seems like they've iced it in some weird way. Is it just because MGF's not there? So it's almost like they iced it because Adam Cole got hurt and they thought, oh, we can just sort of like literally just put it in deep freeze. And it's not literally at all. The problem is they uh, have a much more interesting heel stable in in AEW in in the Callis family. Yeah. True. I I would agree. uh, But it just seemed like the whole turn at the end of World's End was to make Adam Cole into this top star. And then we, we, we just haven't but seen him. It's almost like they don't the want story to talk. Is that he broke, him. broke MGF's heart and then MGF disappears. So mm. it's like it, the other half of the story isn't there. So it seems like they're just sort of trying to stay on cruise control until he comes back. But then MGF will be huge return to a kind of half baked lukewarm stable. Unless MGF really wants that international title. You guys are really convincing me on this lukewarm thing. I was so <laughs> frustrated when you had Wardlow win this match, and then you saw the Undisputed Kingdom cheering outside by an elf table, and then them not walking up to the ramp so that they're waiting for Roderick Strong, because the Undisputed Kingdom literally went up the sides of the ramp to the back, and walked right back mm-hmm. out with him for them all yep. to not be together, have like that photo op moment as one is victorious, like patting him on the back. Come on, you got this. And just really like selling that this stable is a priority and important. They did it to themselves. They had the opportunity and they didn't take it. I'm with you guys that they are icing the stable until they're ready for it, which I feel like is a bad move. You need to be heating up all of these factions for the point that you really want to set them in overdrive. This isn't like, wait, wait, wait. If these guys are important, continue to make them important. 
that's interesting because at least in terms of wrestling watching this this was roddy as pwg champ like circa i think 2016 or something like that when he was he was on fire as a heel in that small building i mean cutting promos some of which were a little problematic uh on some people uh there uh i i have a question about that mask and bedsheet thing he was doing though for the entrance so what what was that all about i think I think the knock on Roddy had never been of wrestling and been his charisma and his ability to connect with the audience. And I think that was an attempt, again, to connect with the audience with some type of gimmick. They're like, oh, hey, that's cool. He's got that kind of shield, Taiji Ishimori, like shooter fighter mask. And then like, I'm coming in there and I'm a I'm a rogue from the kingdom, you know, because they got the undisputed well, kingdom thing. So I think it's all kind of figuring into that. Kind of I, I hate to dip into my JCP again, and Ro- <laughs> but no, but, but hear me out here. Roddy's charisma is second guy in a stable to the charismatic guy. Sure. He's Tully to Adam Cole's flair. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the guy who's feuded with him before who could turn on him at any time. But he's playing second banana in this thing for as long as he chooses to play second banana kind of the thing. There's always that menace of Roddy turning on Cole eventually. But it's one of those things where, but he's good at that. He's good at the bratty heel charisma that, you know, other guys kind of soft pedal, like say Miz uh, and, and others like that. I mean, Roddy plays that perfect. And and that's what he should be doing. And instead, he's stressing like MF Doom coming out for a. <laughs> and yet, they man. always seem to try. I think about the diamond mine where they try to put him in the front of yeah. that. So they're basically like, you know what? You are not going to be the face of this faction. We're going to yep. flip over to the creeds over here. It's funny, that, it's funny that Jeff said that because I've actually hung out with Roddy Strong yeah. in Vegas. And it was just he and uh, our good friend, the Peach Machine, and Roddy, and uh, another, I forget the other person. Roddy was trying to be Ric Flair. He was not succeeding at being Ric Flair. I don't think it was a net, like, I think because he was, he was, I was about pro- to say it was Paul that was with you guys because he's told me this story. Oh, Paul! Paul was there too. So okay, yeah. so the, but no, no, no. Uh, there was a portion of that evening where just the three of us pieced pieced off, and it was okay. like me and him. So I actually got to spend uh, a little bit of time with him, and I was just I didn't you know I I knew him decently, but I I didn't really hadn't really seen a lot of his wrestling. But this is when he wasn't in the crazy, insane shape that he's in now. He was a little pudgier, and and uh, Peach Machine was helping him with his dieting and such. But because he was pro wrestler with a bunch of wrestling fans, he needed to portray that he was like Ric Flair, and he was just really bad at it. And I was just like, okay, I kind of get it. I'm sure when he is like his normal self, he's probably a cool dude, but he was kind of like not, you know, not that cool of a guy there. And I, you know, just he he was just trying to portray something that I could tell that he he wasn't. So Paul says, Paul says, uh, I got Peach Machine in trouble because I was supposed to kayfabe that Roddy had the hots for Marina and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. It all worked out. Um, I think. Uh, okay, so what do we think about the Kyle O'Reilly 
part of this. So he shows up. Now, now there were there were some interesting emotions from Kyle. Mm-hmm. So he kind of shows up in the back, and we're thinking that he's going to attack Roddy. He's got like this weird, crazy look on his face. You know, they did not tell him to come in his Sunday's best. That is no. for sure. <laughs> he went to Goodwill before he came in the ring. Oh, yeah, he, he shot up in an REI first. <laughs> I, I guess he was wearing an All Japan women's shirt, somebody said. But then he was wearing, like, green gym shorts that he bought at Target. And, like, that's how he came out on this pay-per-view. We haven't seen this guy in a year, over a year, maybe. And so... His emotion was that we are we are supposed to believe that he may attack Roddy. And then he kind of smiled. And then they were friends. And then they wanted to give him the shirt. And then he was almost like, no, like, I can't take this shirt. What was that supposed to signify? What did did anybody get what that was supposed to mean? I kind of thought it, it just... was. Oh, go ahead. You, uh, well, just uh, probably the same thing. That it, it's like, hey, I'm going to go my own way. Uh, you know, no, no hard feelings, but I'm I'm going to do my own thing and be in opposition. But I don't know. He looked pretty upset about it too. Like, yeah, he, he also looked like he hadn't slept <laughs> since the last time he was on TV. Yeah, God bless him. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. But no, he's awesome. Um, but man, I it's one of those things where it's like what's the uh, the the thing where you you think that the mystery is going to get someone intrigued and all it does is just kind of make you hmm okay and then move on that's kind of my reaction to it yeah, yeah. i think this is going to be a character choice i think it's going to be unstable and and weirdly emo- oh, no. and it's going to be kick- oh i've been pulled in so many directions as i've teamed with all these people and i don't know what <laughs> you know it, it feels like that this feels like he's he's made a Crack character choice yeah, yeah okay, so, well, maybe. so and Andy said that he thought he was going to announce oh, his retirement. Now I didn't rude. I didn't think that. What I what I thought was is that he was going to say he wasn't ready yet or he's t- still injured and he like he wants to but he can't for some reason. That's maybe what I thought, but at the same time, if he's going to be on, you know, if they put him in this position for a reason. They wanted all those eyeballs on him. So I it's He's got to be involved in some way. I don't imagine they did that just so he could, you know, I mean, and maybe you don't want him to retire since Sting is going to retire on the same show, but it's just an in- interesting if, choice. If he was going to retire, they'd give him his own night in whatever hometown yeah. in Canada or right. whatever to do it there. Right. That, that, right. This was, this was an angle. Yeah. Could it be a placeholder for as... you? Please go ahead. I definitely, I definitely read it as like, he saw that shirt and he flashed back to, what got him to the position of being out for a year. And he's like, I can't do that again. Here's your shirt back. I love you guys, but that's not, I can't do that again. And then he's like, mm. sorry. And he made this decision two days ago, realized he couldn't get on a flight. And so he's been on a bus for the last two days. And he just got <laughs> so playing here. Trains and, automobiles. And he just, hey, he, maybe he, Mike he, Bennett just needs to wash that shirt. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm not I mean, that shirt on. There's no fabric softener on this. He looked, I mean, he looked like he was in good shape at least. Like he, yeah. you know, he looked oh, yeah. like he was fit. Uh, uh, definitely he, he conversation did. we were all having of like, what is Kyle O'Reilly coming back? Yeah. And, oh, there he was. All right. I we, we can see going to be a, like a placeholder for MJF. Interesting. To, just to give, just to give a program 
there to for a foil for the to get the Cole over more team. as a heel and everybody yeah. else as a heel. Yeah. All right, we don't need to talk too much about this match. The Wardlow Wardlow wins the scramble match. I I mentioned how I thought it was uh, a bit of a mess. I did I do think it got better at the end. We were having this discussion on why Magnus needed to be in this match. Uh, I, you know, there is a relationship there. I don't know it. I don't know that it did anything for Magnus necessarily. He just looked like the lost uh, luchador in the match. I don't even remember him doing anything. Uh, he, he didn't do anything that That's stood out. That's actually a gimmick they now do in these matches with AEW. It's like it's commander or <laughs> yeah. But he didn't ha- even have the commander spot, right? Because at least commander will do the spot do where he walks the rope yeah. and he does the. He, I, I don't remember what Magnus did in this match. And when we were talking to Dave, he was like, "Yeah, he's kind of a mid card guy." I don't un- like. There's he there, there, was, there wasn't a right? reason. There wasn't a reason for him to be in it other than I guess to you know just good being a good partner with with CMLL, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so Wardlow wins and he gets a title shot. They did not say when they did not say where hopefully he cuts a promo on Wednesday and uh, tries to call his shot. Cause Wardlow and Samoa Joe had a feud that was, yeah, I would say it was a little bit better than average. Like, like they, there's meat on the bone there that they just did not get to, but they tried, they had, they had some matches, they had the story, uh, and now Joe's the champion, so that adds a layer to the story. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is an interesting time for Wardlow because it's pretty clear that they want him to be part of that seven or eight or nine that we just talked about. But what he has done in in the opportunity, I'm not sure if he actually fits the you know those seven or eight guys that we're thinking about for title shots and such. Anybody have thoughts on his character? He's either going to get the, the problem with him is he's either going to get the shot and win and, and, and not be the guy who needs, you know, and everyone will just be like, why is this guy over all these other guys, the champion, or he's going to get the shot and lose. In which case he goes right back to just bounces right back to what he said he wasn't anymore, which is the guy who, who gets bumped down the mountain. So he's kind of in a no win situation. I feel like. I, I think it's even worse than that. If he wins, everybody's going to be going, okay, who's he dropping it to? Because mm-hmm. they yeah. instantly think transitional champion. And it would be a nice thing to experiment to see what you have with this guy. But, you know, Tony Khan sits there, and I could see him worried about the cage match rating for, okay, when I put him, <laughs> in, when I put him in a match against Osprey right. or Okada, or whatever, is it going to be a world champion type thing, or do I just need to get him get this title off of him on a dynamite or something, you know, in a, in a match there, and we can just say, oh, what a what a great job you did at the time, and yeah, no, I actually think you need to make him the alpha of that undisputed stable. Probably. He like he and Cole need to do the Batista Triple H thing. Yeah, and 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 as a matter of fact, just just he go look cripple you know, or whatever and just and just cut a promo and go you you're unable to go you're not giving the orders around here anymore you know do a mac and me with him in the wheelchair <laughs> uh, and, then, and then just have uh and then have wardlow uh go on his merry way and be the leader of this faction because i thought it, i thought the promo he cut two weeks or was it last week or two weeks ago he last was week, fantastic last week. i love that thing uh 
I, I know people don't like it when we say this, but I kind of just wish he was in WWE because I feel like they would know what to, they're more comfortable knowing what to do with guys like that or yeah. how to tell if they can sink or swim more so than, than what they're doing with him now. Uh, yeah. I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in this boat too, where they've kind of booked him into a corner where it's not the right time for him to get that big belt, but they're booking him as if they're a threat for it. And if he doesn't get it and they haven't booked it in a way where it's like, you knew that that belt was his, and he got screwed, like majorly screwed. I don't think they have the vehicle to make that story happen. And I think that that's a problem because if he loses clean or he loses in a way where it's just like, okay, back to the line, even though like we built you up as a monster, that's counterintuitive to everything. We, and we, I, have, and I'm 60, we have 60 titles in this company and we're, we're getting him <laughs> ready for the world championship and he needs that title. And it's like, yeah, I just it's one of those things where it's, he's been around so often or so much that we know what we have with him, but we've never really pulled the trigger on him because of, you know, because MJF had a temper tantrum once or something. Yeah, so it took really? it away. His. <laughs> uh, Danielson and Eddie Kingston, they set the tone for Divide. this show. Uh, it was an excellent match. I thought it was an excellent story. I guess there's a video on Twitter after of them in the yeah. locker room. I don't know what happened in that video, uh, but it, I guess there's a, a lot of people like that video. The whole match was about Eddie Kingston's uh, right hand and then right arm and then right shoulder. And he had to fight in the last uh, five minutes of, of the match, basically left-handed. Uh, Danielson had hit a couple of uh, knees he even kicked the hand one time uh, as uh, the bad hand. Eddie clotheslined him and powerbombed him to win the match. We had this conversation. At what point, like how, how many of these matches on his way out should Danielson be winning? Because I wanted to see him win this match because I wanted to see him do these dream matches that he's having, but having that, uh, that that triple crown championship because it sort of means something for him to have all these matches against people who were not in AEW. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, Eddie Kingston's kind of the perfect champion as well uh, for the belt, and he's been doing a great job, and it gives him something to do. I kind of worry about his booking if he doesn't have this title. Um, but uh, but yeah, like you know, Brett, we're gonna go through this retirement thing with Danielson at some point probably uh very soon they won't do it the same way but danielson loses a lot for somebody who we all think is is kind of a you know the top guy and uh and i just wonder if that is the best for whatever story they're they're telling him jeremy give it a give it a you can give the first shot here this look at the match for danielson to win for a variety of reasons that uh that strong title from new japan is an albatross as much as it is valuable because New Japan still wants some control over that belt and they still have plans for it, like with uh, the match against Gabe Kid that's coming with Kingston. And they probably want that belt to be there because there is value to it. So there always seemed like Kingston was going to be the guy that wins this match. When it comes to Danielson needing to win, I don't think that he needs to win everything. I think that we are in the cluster 
from January till now that if he lost all of these and then he just goes back to winning, no one's going to remember that he lost a bunch of these matches in a row to Zack Sabre Jr., to Okada, and then to, to Kingston. And these are all top caliber people. These are not... This isn't, unfortunately, Dante Martin or any of the guys on the mid-card or Daniel Garcia that he'll have matches with from time to time. Like, these are world title, like, candidates for Hall of Fame, all of them that he is losing to. So it is not the worst thing in the world. I just think that with the title, uh, with New Japan, that, that Continental Classic title, man... When they flip it, it will be a thing, but you have to read a lot of tea leaves for it, everything to seem to line up for that title to move move hands anytime soon. Kevin, why don't you give a shot? I mean, I the thing that struck me when I was watching it, um, because I agreed that Danielson should uh Danielson needs to be put in some sort of title picture um and needs to hold a belt before he retires in AEW. <laughs> Um, but as I was watching the match, it all kind of put together to me of this long-term storyline of Eddie Kingston against the Blackpool Combat Club, starting with the long-term story with Mox, the feud with Claudio, and then going on to Danielson, this sort of credibility mountain that he, that Eddie's been climbing, watching this match really felt like, wow, he really has become that guy who's not just like the kind of schlubby brawler you know and and i prefer the brawler to the all japan guy but as long as we're going there um to to watch danielson work with him um and kind of give him that credibility by giving so much to him um i just liked it i love feuds that end the handshakes too i'm always a sucker for that um, <laughs> I thought but, Jeff said else said the opposite in, in other places. I did. <laughs> <laughs> after, after the after I, the Blackpool Combat Club tag magic, what is this respect crap? I'm yeah, so tired yeah, yeah. Of it. Yeah, that's true. I I did think Brian oversold it a little bit. Like he he just flipped the switch too easily, and that's my problem with Brian Danielson is how he flips the switch from I'm a total heel who's just gonna bag on you and say the worst things to like I'm you know go, go baby face, you know, happy. I love everybody guy. And, um, I thought that he, he should have been a little more begrudging in his, in the end there, you know, where it's like, all right, fine. I'm shaking your hand, raise his hand, go away. I, I, was it Jeff, Jeff, were you the one who said he should have raised the, the injured hand? No, 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 that Someone wasn't me. That was somebody else. I wanted him to squeeze like the hand a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> just, just to show a little bit of dominance. Like well, he, he tried to the raise hand. the injured hand, and I think Eddie shoved him away. So yeah, Eddie kind of said no. Yeah. But then he, like, I mean, let him in. Chant, I was like, that's a little much. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a great story match, I thought. Yeah, when you talk about storytelling in a match, this is what this is what people mean. It's like they work a body part. They they tell a story. It's like they're going to incapacitate this person and their ability to execute their finishers and their moves on you. And uh, the the strategy of it, this is the kind of storytelling that I love. I thought I mentioned it earlier, but this match was divine. Uh, mm-hmm. I could wake up tomorrow and decide that this was my favorite match of the pay-per-view and in two days decide that Osprey ticket was my favorite match. I it is not firmly set in stone and on any given day I could waver back and forth. They were both that good. Jeff, why don't you wrap us up on this one? 
I remain somewhat frustrated at Brian Danielson's AEW run because I don't think he's going to win a big match until he retires. And even then, he may not win that last match. I agree with everybody here. He needs a title or he should have had a title run by now because that would make money and that would make a star in AEW. And then he could use that to do that. I mean, if he had, if he had been given a world title and then, you know, you have the big guys like Okada and Takeshita Mm -hmm. and all these other bigger guys. And then you end it with him losing to Osprey or something like that at the end of his career, whatever. It's fine. I, I would have that would have been interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I just think they've been burning. This is this is like the Joker burning money in the Dark Knight, and you're just watching it going. You you had this, and 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 all he and of course, and but you have to go against Danielson's instincts too. Right. I just want to have these good matches, and, and da, 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 da. no, Wrestling no, Legends you are a star. You're the most over guy we have in this company. Mm-hmm. Let's let's put the rocket to you. Let's get this company a little bit higher profile and let's use that. And he's like, nope, don't want to. And you're just, meh. You know, I like Eddie Kingston. I didn't love this match as much as the rest of y'all did. I liked it a lot. I just uh, went, okay, that's fine. I thought the, I thought the video was very good, though. It, the whole video was uh, Eddie Kingston thanking Brian Danielson because all I wanted was your respect. And Danielson cutting a babyface promo when he's still in a heel group about how oh, no, all we want was Eddie to show, find the potential that we always thought he had 10 years ago or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, okay, that's great. Shake hands, ring of honor, fantastic. I, I like hate in my feuds. I just, and sometimes it's unresolved hate. Um, But mostly it's just, I'm frustrated by Danielson. I don't think he, I think he gets to have his dream match run where he loses every dream match. It's, and it's going to be fun, but at the same time, you're just kind of like, for, from a business perspective, you look at this and go, this signing should have had a rocket mm-hmm. on it in terms of what we we're going to do for this company between him yeah. and Punk and even Cole to some respect. You know, around that time, they were all around that same time. Yeah. And all Grand three of those Slam 21. Something that can't miss, uh, that, that can't move business other than the Punk moving, you know, that first pay-per-view he was headlining. I forgot to mention mm-hmm. Punk when I mentioned Champions too. Yeah, <laughs> was uh, that was, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, look, I liked this match. It was great. It was a great little story, et cetera, et cetera. Eddie Kingston as a champion is fine, but as a triple crown champion, I think that that's kind of a... A triple crown's important, but then you go, oh, the New Japan Strong's part. Right, of it. right. And so it's not really a prestigious world or triple crown champion. It's prestigious to him. So you can do the whole Orange Cassidy loves his precious type story with Kingston at, mm-hmm. at some point against other guys. But it's not, you know, it's not your secondary title here. That's yeah. still, you know, your TNT title in some ways. And that's stuck with, you know, you know, kind of a, comedy act but not but you know it's one of those things where it's like i'm waiting for someone to bring importance to a title where it's like we can put a pay-per-view around a secondary title here and have that be a headliner type of a thing and it's just people refusing to be stars people are being very diplomatic with putting guys over and look it's great it's a it's it's an all friends wrestling type of thing but at the same time you're just going AEW should be wiping the floor and, and getting closer and closer to the hottest company in in the country, mm-hmm. and they're not. And you're kind of like, well, what can you do with that? And would anything be able to move that? And you think Brian Danielson's probably part of the reason that they're not now. 
in a way he's being he thinks I'm sure he thinks he's being somewhat unselfish that he's yes. not taking spots, but at the same time, it's sort of being selfish because the company is better off with him in a more serious and productive position. Uh, and yeah, like, you know, if you were to flip flop him with Samoa Joe, do people care more or care less about that world title? I'd say more, and I love Joe. Same. More, yeah. Because I think he, because I think he has so much heft from his his run in WWE that yeah. it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, here he is, he's the guy, and they they don't have any of that Triple H nonsense going on here now. Right, right. Yeah, I th- I think I'm with you guys as much as I love Joe's current run as well. One of the, uh, the fantasy camp about. aspect of of the sorry, Jeremy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, the fantasy camp thing that's happening lately, I think, is really hurting them, where a lot of the matches are getting set up are saying, you guys watching the show should care about this match because this wrestler cares about it. And so like the Jericho Atlantis match last week, <laughs> where it was like, I had no idea that there was a history of Atlantis and Chris Jericho because I didn't know about Chris Jericho's CMLL run in the early nineties, but they go out there and they say, I really care about this match. Therefore you should too. And sometimes it really works like, you know, stings tonight. He booked his own match probably. And, and it was exactly what he wanted. Junakiyama and Eddie Kingston, um, Danielson and Zack Sabre jr. Like there's times where it's really great, but they're just sort of letting these guys, book for themselves and and it and to me it's 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 sort of just causing the company to be adrift i think it's that second show though i think it's collision because mm-hmm. tony doesn't really seem to want to run his a1 stories on that show because it's not dynamite and he knows that's where all the eyeballs are and so collision just becomes this like amalgam of like stuff that people want to do and then his B level stories. Uh, and you know, if you didn't have collision, it'd be, it'd be a different story, but remember you know. what was all the troublemakers that we were putting on the collision. Wasn't that a great time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about this uh, opener. Yeah, let's talk about this opener and then we'll get out of here. Okay. Uh, there, there was a segment of people who thought Daniel Garcia should have won this match. I was yeah. not in that not segment. Me. I don't like the uh, lovable loser who wins one match and is all all of a sudden, you know, on top of the world. I'm like, great, but how about you flip flop his uh, Continental Classic with Andrade, the guy who's not even here, and maybe I believe in Daniel Garcia a little bit more. Yeah, but I I, I like Daniel Garcia. I like he's a young uh, he's a young wrestler who who you know we're gonna see who's got promise. He was in there with like the perfect true grit vet. Uh, but at the same time, it's sort of the, you know, the same trope that I thought Daniel Garcia has been having in, in all of his big matches. He's just outnumbered. He's either too small. Uh, he, he, he doesn't have the gravitas of some of these other guys. And thus he loses all of his, his big matches. And that was sort of similar here as much as I, I did. I kind of dug it. I thought it was, was fine. Uh, there, there was a weird Nick Wayne 
rushing at him for no reason right in front of the referee moment that didn't really make sense to me. But um, Mama Wayne was there and Daddy Magic showed up. I thought we were going to see something with Edge, which we did not. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really but fine. yeah, I mean, it was it was a fine opener to get the pay-per-view started. But I'm not sure Daniel Garcia has the uh, the story right now to put him in important roles and to make people care that much. Uh, Jeff, why don't you start? I understand why Christian won this match, and I get why, you know, he's a secondary title. It's going to eventually go back to Adam Copeland or in terms of that feud. And I did think we we're going to get a Copeland sighting here. I thought he was like, going to accidentally spear Garcia, and then it would lead to the win. But it was an overbooked mess as it was. That said, in these types of matches, when we set these things up on pay-per-view, just once you need to have the young guy win and yes. shock everybody. Yeah. And I, then and then it can be an anything can happen type situation. I am so done with the kid looks good in losing to the veteran type of story that I love telling that story. They in every company and it doesn't work because it never gets the guy over no matter how much offense you give the guy. And Garcia has been fairly vocal about, you know, I think at one point he wanted to leave the company. Because he was just tired of his booking and how that was going. And, you know, this was when he was in the JAS. But I, I thought as a shock the world type of thing where you give him kind of a run with this very important title. See what we got in the kid, because he's not going to be a kid that much l- longer. And the way we're going is we are going at glacial pace on pushing our young talent to being top tier talent because we don't trust them enough see private party, see top flight, see all these other come. They get big wins and then we never do anything with those, but we can say, Hey, they have a big win over the young bucks or whatever, but they're still down there with the Hardy family office type of crap that they're doing right now. (laughs) They're just doing it with Jeff Jarrett and company who aren't exactly lighting the world on fire as main eventers. So um, yeah, it's one of those things where, I understand why this match happened like it was. And yeah, he got screwed so I can be mad at the at the interference type spot. But that's like kind of like saying, yeah, Deanna Peraza would have won were it not for Mariah May and Luther. But I never want to see that match again either. Kind of a thing. So it's 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 one of those things where it's like I would have given possibly Daniel Garcia the shock win here and then let's see what we have as him as a single star. Get him away from Daddy Magic, get him away from the other guys in the JAS, et cetera, et cetera. And and let's see what we can do with him. But they didn't. I like the match overall. Christian's great. Christian is such a heat machine, and he was good to open up this card with. Before I go to somebody else, do you think we are seeing the the edge heel turn sooner or later? I think we can put it off a little bit longer. Um I don't know. I just it's one of those things where just depends on as as uh, as Kevin said, just depends what the fantasy camp says. <laughs> is 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 Copeland sick of coming out there and is he ready to now fully retire and go do uh Percy Jackson and the New Olympians or whatever show he's on right mm-hmm. now and do acting full time? Well then we'll we'll rush the heel turn and we'll get to that match. I heard that show's actually halfway It's deep. not bad. It's not it's bad. It's I, I remember those movies from back in the day. My kids read the books, and I kind of liked the movies back in the day. So uh, I'm trying to get my uh, my stepdaughter into that stuff. But no, he's the not, weakest so actor he plays the on God there, of but War. He's still, 
Yes, Ares, the god of war. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. Um, I I think I, I I think the best way to do it would have been, and and I normally wouldn't like this, but I think an edge one edge spear that cost Christian the title would have been an interesting couple of weeks after that to see what happened. And and I feel like Christian is like kind of in that mode where he could probably drop the title like two or three times and just win it back, you know, like just constantly, no matter what the thing isn't so much beating him for it. It's keeping it off of him. Um, and I was, I don't know. I was just really surprised he didn't do it because I felt like this was like you said, another one of those, well, Daniel Garcia is going to have a great future one day. And he's as over, he's as over right now as he, maybe he's ever been, other than that peak when he was. When everyone thought that Danielson was going to take him under his wing, but he's pretty popular right now. So it's like they need to do something. The one thing I take issue with that, that I don't know, I, it kind of entertained me though, was uh, Matthew Menard like basically slap fighting kill switch up the ramp what was to, that to shoo him that off so i don't know it reminded me when i go to the dog park and you see like these big <laughs> rottweilers and there's like this little chihuahua like scaring them off just by barking at them like that's what i was like why is why is luchasaurus <laughs> afraid of matt menard but, nagging him up the uh up the you, up want, a taste? <laughs> you want a taste he did not want to taste jeremy wrap, wrap us up and then we'll i have one more question for you guys before we get out of here i watched this and i'm with jeff like this felt like an opportunity to just give daniel garcia the opportunity to run with it that everybody except for tony khan seems to want him to have and further I'm not entirely sure Christian and Copeland need that title for their feud. Like it's there, it's a prop, but if that title went to other people so that they could wrestle over it while Copeland and Christian fantasy book from seventh grade, what they've wanted to do all their lives. Yeah. That's that would be ideal to me because right now I feel like Daniel Garcia, we're going to be figuring out whether his next match with Nick Wayne is on rampage or collision. It's not going to be on Dynamite, it feels like. It feels like it's the afterthought to all this, where he gets his big win for the revenge against Nick Wayne, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're right back to everything is where it was before, and nothing has been gained from this. Ring and of Honor. The frustrating part for me <laughs> is I feel like that's exactly what's going to happen, and there's mm -hmm. nothing to do to change it, and it could have been way more exciting going into Dynamite. Okay, the last question is uh, a version of what Jeff posted in a poll on Twitter. I'm interested in what you, where you guys think this show ranks in the best AEW pay-per-views. Now, I will begin by saying I was live at AEW um, All Out 2021. I have not watched it back, so I only know of the live version, and that is like my favorite, maybe my favorite live show that I've ever been to. I was also at the original Double or Nothing, which is high on folks' list, and I've never watched that back. So for live shows, those are my two favorite AEW shows. And then Revolution last year, which won the Observer Award for Show of the Year, I was also there live. So from a TV perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, this is my favorite AEW show, but I would have to go watch those others, the pay-per-view versions, to sort of see how I feel about those. As a pay-per-view on that I watched from a couch, 
this is my favorite show, but I want to see where everyone else is at. And we'll go the other way. Jeremy, you could start first, then we'll go Kevin and Jeff to end it. It's in my top three. I don't know if it's my favorite all time, but I'm going to go with somewhere between, I'm going to go with number two. I'm going to, I'm going to say all out 2021 is my favorite as well. Kevin. Uh, I said at the beginning, I think it's, it's probably my, my favorite. I think that might be some recency bias if I went down and actually like added up my memories, but off the top of my head, there's been ones that have had better main events or, or like two matches that were better, but like top to bottom being this satisfied with the show. I can't remember, you know, being this happy with like the mid card. So I would, I'd, I'd say number one right now, subject to uh reevaluation. All right, Jeff. Same answer as Kevin. I think I think because look, the top stuff wasn't as great as some other cards, but top to bottom was the most solid card to me in terms of all the AEW pay-per-views I've watched, and I've watched all of them. Um, I, I go with this one as probably their strongest pay-per-view they've ever done. Paul Fontaine has it behind last year's Forbidden Door. He he's he's cheering for Forbidden Door here right now. Uh, I mean, this was, uh, I would say the last three days, I really got into the idea of Sting's retirement. And I was just so fired up for it. I don't, I mean, not to say that I don't get excited for this stuff, because I do, but I just watch it in a different way to where I just don't let sort of my fandom kind of steer me. I kind of mm-hmm. think about it a little bit differently. This is one of those moments, especially during that main event, where I was like, they got me. Like, I'm in. I'm hook, line, yeah, and sticker yeah. for everything. And it's just fantastic work for them. And I give, you know, I, I can be uh, hard on uh, on Tony Khan's booking. And I don't think I'm being unfair to it when, when I'm being hard. This was masterful, I thought. I thought this was everything that I ever wanted in this match. And there was a, a point where I was wondering if we were going to get it, but he delivered. And that's where I give him all of the kudos, including Sting and Darby and, and the Bucks as well. I thought they were all so good. Uh, and yeah, they, they this pay-per-view over-delivered. I hope it does insane business for them because if it does, then this is now the blueprint for how they need to do these really important shows. I think the way that they booked that main event, how important they made it. Uh, they really, you know, they spent the money and, and put and and they brought all those guys and they really made this feel special. And uh, I will, I will definitely be thinking about this show when we talk about shows of the year in, uh, in 2024. Mm-hmm. So, uh jeremy you're going to be back on thursday mm-hmm. speaking of strong style you got a new japan anniversary show to watch at some point right got the new japan anniversary show the new japan cup too uh that whole big tournament going on in japan to face uh naito in april before the windy city so uh i got my pits but if you want to know more about that you gotta check out the show 5 30 p.m eastern on uh thursday speaking strong style and Jeff, you and Paul will be back after Dynamite. I'm sure you guys will also talk about what we we talked oh, about a little bit. I'm Paul, gonna, I'm going to ask one question, Paul. What did you think of the pay per view? And then I'm going to go mute and I'm going <laughs> to leave the show. <laughs> it's the easiest show I'll ever do on a Wednesday. It's going to be fantastic. Yes. By the way, Paul 
is predicting 225,000 buys for this show, Ooh, which would be their all-time best. I they had I, report issues. They did. Some people think it was because they had more orders than they thought, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad problem, but they did have to then uh, sell it on Triller for people who couldn't get it on on Bleach Report. So I imagine they might have lost some buys there just in that transition, but maybe they'll pick up the late buys because of how uh, how how good critically the show has has been. Uh, I, I thought it would be one of their highest bought shows based on the last three days but... my direct tv never fails so yeah 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 <laughs> D- dave's dave's cable box came in the clutch for us uh because whenever we have to veer off of the cable box we just, we do sometimes have issues but all right thank you and and kevin uh like like we said at the top you know whenever you want to come in and and hang out you just let us know and and we're rooting for james to to get better and for you know whatever happens with the boom people will will know just keep tuning in all right around (laughs) thank you for jeremy for kevin and for jeff i'm double g we will see you when we see you peace out Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.